my crafty friends and welcome to ACB Crafters, where we learn and teach each other in order to make crafting accessible to the blind and visually impaired. We hope you enjoy this episode. Okay, thank you, Courtney. Um, hello, my name is Nella Foster. I live in Phoenix, Arizona, and I have been making soap since 2010. And just a little history on my soap making, I had purchased, you know, different handcrafted soaps at crafting events, you know, craft fairs, that type of thing. And I was always very impressed with it. And then um, I tried some goat milk soap that I really liked again, that I purchased somewhere else. And I really liked, you know, how my skin felt and, you know, all the natural ingredients in it. And then, the, I don't, I don't want to get too caught up in this, but I went through some health issues and I, I was going through this period of my life where I was trying to get really healthy and I live on a small horse property. So I purchased a couple of goats, dairy goats, and I started milking my goats and making cheese. And then someone says, have you ever made goat milk soap? And I said, no, but I've used it and I loved it. So I started researching how to make soap and how to make goat milk soap. And I read a book from Bard, which uh, is, it's called Handcrafted Soap by Dolores Boone. I read that book over and over. I looked at stuff on YouTube. I looked on the internet. And honestly, I felt very intimidated by the process. I purchased all the equipment and I kept reading my stuff and I got nothing done because I was terrified. And then I was just having a conversation with an acquaintance who did a lot of crafting all types of stuff. And I said, have you ever made soap? And she said, no, I want to. I bought all the stuff, but I'm terrified to do it. And she had all the books. So the two of us teamed up and we, we voted on potentially burning down my house, not her house. So we met at my house and made the soap and it went really well. And the first few times I did make it with her, I think the first three times I did make it with her. And then I started making it on my own. And since then I've taught other people how to make it. And I almost always make it by myself now. Um, so anyway, that's kind of the history of how I got into soap making. So I'm going to talk a little bit about what is soap. For true soap, we must have a combination of lye, fats, and distilled water. Um, lye is also called caustic soda or sodium hydroxide. If we do not have these three ingredients, we do not have soap. What you buy in the supermarket, is, most of what you buy in the supermarket is actually a detergent. During, I think it was during World War II, the soap manufacturers got away from making true soap because you know these supplies were being used for military purposes. And they started making detergents. And then they realized detergents are easier to make. They, they cost less money. So they just started making more of them. And now um, you can buy true Castile soaps. Um, you, you can buy true soaps in the grocery store, Walmart, that type of thing. But you have to look a little harder for them. So again, for us to have soap, it's lye or caustic soda or sodium hydroxide. Fat, that can be an animal fat, like from lard or tallow. 
or it can, um, and we have to have water, um, preferably distilled water because minerals in the water can have reactions with the lye and, and cause color variations and, and, and weirdnesses that we don't want to deal with. You can also use some other liquids. This is where instead of water, I frequently use goat milk. Um, I have also used aloe juice. I have used herbal teas, and it, but I did make them with distilled water. And I'll go into more of that later. So this process is called saponification. The, the molecules, the fat, lye, water molecules, they actually rearrange themselves and make a new product called soap. And that process is called saponification. And that's how we get soap. I wanna talk a little bit about the history of soap. You'll hear people say lye soap, which I think is a little redundant because if we don't have lye, we don't have soap. And it got kind of a bad rap because back in the day, maybe your great granny, your great aunt Sally, whoever, they were on the farm and they were making their own lye soap. Um, they probably didn't have a real accurate recipe and they were typically making one soap. You made one big batch of lye soap, maybe once or twice a year. And you used that same soap to wash your clothes, wash your dishes, wash your body, wash your floor. They used it for everything and it was pretty harsh. They were, first of all, they were using, a lot of people were using wood ash to make their own lye and that was unstable. They weren't sure, you know, they didn't tr truly understand um, how strong it was. It was inconsistent. They were using animal fat, um, such as tallow or lard. Lard comes from hogs, um, tallow is from cattle. And, and so the animal fats, they don't have a lot of condition, um, conditioning um, properties for your skin. So they tend to dry your skin out. Um, they probably weren't using distilled water either. And they probably didn't have a accurate way of measurement. I'll talk about this a little later, but you really need a good digital scale when making soap. So their measurement was inaccurate. Their lye was unstable. They were using these animal fats and they were getting... Um, a harsh product that often caused irritation to the skin. And so people would say lye soap and, you know, it was often derogatory. It, you know, they thought it was harsh on the skin and it frequently was. So this is kind of the history of soap. There are three ways of making soap. And I will be perfectly honest, I have only ever done the hot process method. I have not done the cold process and I will talk about that a little more but my experience is with hot process. So if you want to do cold process, I am not your girl. If you want to do uh, melt and pour soaps, I'm not your girl. You need to talk to somebody else. So the three ways, and I will, I'll touch on the cold process first because that is the traditional way of making soap. It's the cold process, what we call cold process soap making, where you add your water and your lye and your fat and you heat it to what we call trace. And trace, when we, when we get, well, I'll be talking about trace later, but briefly, when your mixture's at trace, if you have a spoon in it and you like pick up the spoon and dribble some on top, you, will, you can see where it is a little bit. Like you can trace a line. That, that's where the, the term trace comes from. So you brought it to trace. So it's starting to mix, but you know, you have not gone through saponification. You do not have soap. You still have active lye in there, but it's all thoroughly mixed now. 
at this point with the cold process, you would pour this mixture into molds and let it sit. And this, when it sits, it's called curing. And depending on the recipe, the type of soap, you're looking at anywhere from six weeks to 12 weeks for it to cure. Um, there's some things that can happen with the cold process. Again, some instabilities that can happen. If you say want to add fragrance, you have to add it, at, you know, before you put it in the mold, you have to use twice as much fragrance because you're going to lose a lot of it, you know, while it's curing. If you add dyes, um, you know, again, there's still active lye and, and stuff going on with it. So the color may be in, unstable. The other thing that can happen is if you add fragrances or dyes or anything at this point, it could have reaction with, you know, the mixture and it will not saponify. It'll be sitting there. Uh, it, it does what we call seething where it, there'll be like, spots of white, which I think is the fat. So it, it doesn't mix. It actually kind of separates and hardens and, and it isn't saponified. So that um, is a, you know, some of the disadvantages to doing cold process. Not to mention you have to wait all that time and I'm kind of impatient, so I don't like that. And then we have the hot process, which is what I do. And I do it in a large crock pot and I will talk more about the equipment later, but I use a large crock pot. I put my ingredients and I use a stick blender and I, I get it to what I get it to my trace and then, and then I let it cook in there for 45 minutes to an hour, depending. And I have my crock pot on low. Um, for, you know, depending on the soap, 45 minutes to an hour. And then at the very end, I add my fragrances, um, you know, and anything I want to add at the end. I will also say from the beginning, I do not use dyes. I am totally blind. I don't know what colors I'm getting. I, my goal is also to have as pure a soap as possible. So I do not add dyes to my soap. So if you want information about coloring, I'm not a good person. So the, um, and we can, you can also do the hot process in a double boiler. I have done that. That's how I did it the first few times. I think it's a lot easier in a um, slow cooker. It says in the um, handcrafted soap book that you can also use like a roasting um, pan and do it in the oven. I have never tried that. I think it sounds really awkward and I don't want to be lifting this big container of soap in and out of my oven and it just sounds awkward for stirring and that type of thing. So I've never tried that. So I, I can't tell you how well that works. And then our final way to make soap is, it's called melt and pour. So you're not actually making the soap. You're buying a prepared block of soap and you can get this at craft stores, um, soap supply places, you know, places online. And it's usually a white soap. I don't, I, I've read the ingredients on a couple of the blocks of soap and honestly, I wasn't impressed. I'm very picky about what I put on my skin. So I wasn't really impressed with um, what they were putting in this, but I'm sure there's different ones. But it's usually white and it's in a block, it's unscented. And so you shave it, oh, shave off, grate it, whatever, and then you can melt it down. And then you can add your own fragrances, your own colors. If you say want to put rose petals, um, lavender buds, you can do all that kind of stuff. 
I've, and there's some cool things you I've seen people make it different colors and then layer it and um you know, like I said do um the botanicals in a different fragrances different colors different shaped molds so you can do a lot of fun stuff with it and of course you don't have to worry about handling the lie it's a fun project to do with kids I know several moms that have done that project with their kids so that and it might be a good way to start a good intro to soap like you know do you want to buy more stuff do you want to get more supplies it might be a good intro way but again I have never done that so those are the three ways. We have the cold process, the hot process, the melt and pour. We've talked about the history and the definition of soap and that what you buy in the store is mostly detergent. So I'm going to open up the floor for questions if people have questions and then I will move on. Our next section is going to be equipment and safety but if anybody has questions about this first part go ahead. Okay uh, Lucy you may unmute. Thank you. Um, you know, Nella, I, I have been waiting for this uh, session for a long time because I could totally relate to what you were saying about being afraid to do it. I have all the stuff and I've had it for a long time. And, and I read the, I have the book by, um, oh gosh, the handcrafted soaps book on Bard. And I'm, I'm afraid, <laughs> I'm afraid to do it. So this is kind of inspiring. Um, what about um, oils to fragrant your soaps. Can you, I want to talk about that at the end. At the end, I'm going to talk about how to, we're going to spend a lot of time on personalizing our soaps. So we'll get into that later. Okay, great. Thanks. Okay. If anyone has a question, it is alt Y to raise your hand star nine on your phone or on the smartphone and it's option Y. No, it's command. I, I don't know the Mac commands. <laughs> it's option, option Y. Thank you. You're right. That's what I thought. Okay. Yep. You're right. Um, and, and then down on the bottom right, you have more options on an iPhone and you have a raise hand. So you don't have any Nella so far. Okay. All right. So I'm now going to go into equipment and safety. Uh, most of the equipment I use for soap making is stuff I already had in my kitchen. Um, and people are always like, oh, you have to have separate stuff. Remember, your end product is soap. So um, you really don't need separate stuff. The only item I use for just soap making and nothing else is I have a big Teflon spoon that I stir my soap with and I don't use that for anything else. I keep it in a, a plastic bag when I'm not using it for soap and but everything else I use. So that for um so you need a slow cooker or a double boiler. Um you want at least a five or six quart slow cooker. I have a seven quart slow cooker um, and I'll get into this a little later, but it's, it's basically, I, I teach um, kitchen skills to the blind and visually impaired. And one of the safety and mess control suggestions I give my clients is to always use, you know, larger things. You're less likely to stir out. So really, when it comes to soap making, we're using all of our kitchen skills and our kitchen equipment. So a large um, 
slow cooker, at least five or six quarts. Like I said, I like my seven quart one. I have used a smaller one, but I did buy a seven quart just for soap making. However, I will confess that I have made chili and a few things in it and taken to potlucks. And nobody knew that that was the one I make soap in. And the chili didn't taste like lavender or roses or anything like that either. So, or, or you can have a double boiler. Um, and I, like I said, the first couple times I made soap, I used the double boiler. It worked. It was a little more tricky. You had to really watch it or it will get too hot and kick over. When you're, any metal that you use should be stainless steel or enamel. You do not want to use aluminum. Um, because it can react to the light. If you're using essential oils, there can be reactions. So always use stainless steel or enamel. Um, yeah, so that means always stainless steel or enamel. No, I don't use aluminum in my kitchen at all anyway, but um, we definitely don't want to use it for the soap making. Let's see. Um, you, a must have is a good digital scale. And your scale needs to weigh within a tenth of an ounce. Like the soap recipe I use most is 7.2 ounces of lye. Um, I have that part memorized at least. Um, but yeah, it has to go within a tenth of an ounce. And, and you have to have accurate measurements. If you don't have accurate measurements with your ingredients, you may not get saponification. You may, you know, it may not saponify, you may not have soap. So a good digital scale. You also want it to have a tear feature. And this is when I set my, I use Pyrex measuring um, stuff. So when I set it on the, you know, it weighs my cup, then I do the tear, you know, then I add my oil or lye or whatever, and it measures that. And, but it, you know, it doesn't add it on top of the weight of the cup. So you want a tear feature. The other must have for soap is a stick blender. You can stir it by hand, but let me give you an example. If you're making pure Castile soap, all pure Castile soap is water, lye, and olive oil. It's the only ingredients. If you stir it by hand with a spoon, you are looking at like two hours of stirring before you reach trace. So, and that's, you know, and then cooking it. So, you know, I don't know about you, but I have better things to do with my time. I can use a stick blender for five to 10 minutes and get to trace. So you want a stick blender. I will be perfectly honest, I have burned up three or four stick blenders over the years because you know they're really not designed to keep going for 10 to 15 minutes, but um, it, is, it does work really well. I use glass and stainless steel measuring cups and small bowls, you know, for my ingredients and that I use on my scale. A long handled spoon and um, they don't recommend wood, a plastic, like I said, I have the Teflon spoon and I do use that just for uh, my soap, but you know, some type of long handled spoon. And again, you don't want aluminum. You, you could have stainless steel if you wanted to do that. And I, I do use my stainless steel measuring spoons when making soap. Um, a rubber spatula to scrape stuff out. You want to, you know, be sure you get all the oils out. If you're working with some of the harder oils like palm kernel, um, cocoa butter, shea, some of those are pretty hard. And you almost, 
um, need like a mallet and kind of like an ice cream spade type thing to get those out. You have to, so those can be kind of difficult to get out. So you will need something for that. And a funnel, it's always good to have a funnel. And then we need molds and you can purchase molds. You can also use things around your house. I mean, you can line a cardboard box with a trash bag and have a mold. You can use, um, you know, plastic containers. You can really turn anything into a mold. Of course, you can buy a lot of cute molds that are shaped like things. And, uh, and we'll talk more about that later, but you know, you do want molds. And, and the first time you may just wanna use something around your house before you invest in molds. So that's, that's the basic list of equipment. Now I'm going to go into some safety stuff. So, you know, we do want to be careful. We are handling lye and the hot oil. So just some um, cautionary steps to take is wear long sleeves. And I have, you know, I want to like, and you want the sleeves to be tight, you know, form fitting, not tight, tight, but form fitting. You don't want them blowing about, catching on stuff, that type of thing. Um, so, so you want long sleeves, probably long pants. You want comfortable shoes. I wear, especially when, when I'm measuring out my lie, I wear like surgical gloves, you know, the little, I guess they're, I don't know, latex or rubber, you know, they're stretchy, feel like a balloon. You can get them at the, um, what do you, what do you call it? Um, drugstore, you can come at the drugstore, the pharmacy. So, um, I use those and, and, I, and they're light enough that I can feel through them. I, I can feel what I'm doing. I can feel my scale. I can even read my braille recipe through them. So um, I use those. Some people might want a plastic apron that can go over your clothes. I've never done that. I just wear old clothes that I don't care if it, they get yucky. So, but that is an option. And then I always wear safety glasses. You could also wear a face shield if you want. I've never done that. I've just worn safety glasses. But you know, you definitely do not want to get light in your eye. That would not be good. So, um, and then you might want to wear some, like, oh, what is the word? The mask, like, like if you're to keep you from breathing in dangerous fumes. Um, you might want to wear a mask like that. You can get those at hardware stores. And I have never done that. I do open the window um, in my kitchen and I turn the fan on over the stove because when the lye will, um, when you, you know, there will be some smell and it doesn't smell nice. It does send us some fumes. And um, vinegar, vinegar neutralizes the lye. So I go through lots of vinegar because I also use it to clean with. So I buy it in big jugs. And what I do is, I keep the left side of my sink with water and, and then I add a, so, some soap and a lot of vinegar to it. And anything that touches the lye, I drop in that vinegar water. And a couple of times, you know, I got like a little splash on my wrist. I quickly stuck it, you know, my hand in there and, you know, it, it immediately stopped stinging because the vinegar um, neutralizes it. So you want vinegar on hand. Um, so those are, 
those are just some things. Oh, another thing when we're pouring Y, we always pour the Y into the water, never the other way around, or you'll have a volcano. I, I have never done that. I just read that that happens, but I have my water, my distilled water, or my goat milk, or my herbal tea, whatever I need, whatever my liquid is for that soap recipe. I have that sitting in one of my my big Pyrex container in the sink, and then I, I leave it sitting in the sink, and I slowly pour that lye in. I always pour it slowly, and I always pour it away from me, and that's true with any of the pouring. Do it slowly and pour away from you. Um, so you know, cause that'll help with splashing. And again, a lot of this is kitchen skills. It's really just good kitchen skills. Nella, you have a question from someone in a chat that asked if they can use the same recipe for soft soap. Um, I have made liquid soap twice with a friend, with, with a friend that I started making soap with and we added more water and so then it, uh, you know, and I don't know if that's truly how you make it, but uh, it worked. It, if you, if you do happen to get Y in your eye, which I hope you wouldn't, but rinse it for 10 to 15 minutes with cold water and then you would have to call your, you need to call your doctor immediately. Um, and then again, if you were to splash some on your hand or your arm, put it in that vinegar or water. And let's see. And like I mentioned oversize, oversize all your equipment, you know, you use a bigger double boiler than you need. Use a bigger crock pot than you need. You're less likely to have it boil over. Um, you know, use bigger containers. You're less likely to have spills. And I, I, I suggest that for just, I think it works better. And then when you're using your stick blender, hold it kind of at an angle if you don't want to get it like at the top surface because then it, it's going to splatter. So you want to hold it down against the bottom or near the bottom, but hold it at an angle. If you hold it flat on the bottom, it may kind of suction down. If that does happen, turn your stick blender off and then tip it to the side. Don't try to tip it up when you have it go in because it may splatter. Um, let's see. Let's see what other... So uh, we want to watch for boiling over. Um, so the like tall, narrower par pots, if you're using say a double boiler, a tall or, or even a, a more round, my, my crock pot is oval or just like taller round ones. A tall, narrow pot has less surface area. So it heats up more quickly. So you want to watch for the overboiling. Um, I do keep my crock pot on low. And let's see, um, of course in the book it suggests, you know, looking through the lid to see what's happening. Of course, I can't do that. So I know it takes my soap longer to cook because um, if it starts to boil over, it'll kind of start creeping up on the sides. So I open my crock pot like every 10 to 15 minutes and I go around, take my spoon and go around the side and push down and make sure it's down. But I do lose heat that way. So it takes myself a little longer to cook. But the funny thing is the two times I've had soap boil over, I was making it with a sided friend and we got 
distracted chatting with each other and it boiled over. <laughs> so, and it was a big, it was kind of messy to clean up. So I would prefer just, you know, I, I'd rather it take a little longer to cook and not have to do that cleanup. Let's see. Um, okay, I think that, so I think that's kind of it for safety. I'm going to, that's all I can think of for safety. I'm going to open it up for questions. So if you guys have more questions, hopefully I can answer them. Um, Lucy, you may unmute. Thank you, Sheila. Um, so you were just saying that uh, it takes yours longer to cook because you do lose heat when you open the crock pot. Yes. Do you, I mean, do you have a specific time that you know that it's, or cause how can you, how can you tell when it's done? Um, I will go into that in a little bit, but okay. it's, it's usually 45 minutes to an hour. Okay. Um, one, after you get to trace, it's usually, and for me, it's probably more like an hour because I am opening that crock pot and I am losing the heat. But like I said, I have, you know, cleaned it up twice when it boiled over and it's really just easier to, to cook a little longer, so. Okay, thank you. Any other questions? Yes, ma'am, you've got somebody with an area code of 517, please unmute. Hi, um, I just wanted, if I could, would you repeat what you said about the lye and the water? Because I always, I did understand that if you're using acid, you always add acid to water, not the other way around. Are you saying it's the same? This is a base? Yes, yes, you it's always, okay. you always pour the lye into the water. Everything I've read says if you, have like a bowl of lye and you pour a cup of water that it's going to like volcano up so i yeah i've never right. fortunately i've never made that mistake <laughs> so. okay thank you all right miss carla i just want to tell you nella you're doing a great job that's it thank you kayla thanks i'm following my notes so <laughs> A couple of, uh, there was a couple of notations I had to like, what did I write? <laughs> but I figured it out. So. All right, Miss Man, you may unmute. Thanks. Um, Nella, I was wondering about the digital scale that you were talking about. What, what is the one that you use? Um, I think the one I have is called a box. It's pretty small, it was only 30 something dollars. Um, you know, learning from mistakes. I killed two scales, one because I poured dumped water on it, one because I dumped oil on it. So my <laughs> scale now lives in a large Ziploc bag. And I, I have figured out that I can hear the scale and I can feel its buttons through the Ziploc bag. So it stays in there for its own safety. Okay, and it talks? Yes, yes. And there are different ones. There, I mean, there are some higher end ones. I think the Vox will only go up to five or six pounds. So you can't weigh anything super heavy on it, but it works, you know, it's a good size. It's pretty flat. It's not real big. Um, okay. It, um, you know, it has a little round platform. It actually comes with a plastic bowl. I rarely use that bowl because I'm really trying to get away from plastic in my kitchen. Mm -hmm. But um, it's, it does come with a, a bowl that you can measure things in. 
Okay, and, and, and it, it measures to the ounces. Yes, yes, it goes to a tenth of an ounce, and it has a tear, and it will it will do metric and you know ounces and pounds. I think it may even speak Spanish. Oh, cool. Not that I need it to do that, but. <laughs> <laughs> All right, New Vision, you may unmute. Not sure who that is, but. If you are calling in and your phone says new vision or your computer says new new vision, please unmute. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I wanted to ask you about the tear piece. Um, what you meant by the tear piece that, that is it um, uh, like, how does it work? Is that what you're wanting to know? The tear feature? Yeah. I, okay. So it, I, like I said, I use these Pyrex, especially when I use measure my lye and even my oils. I have that like the Pyrex set of measuring. There's like a cup, I think a pint, a quart, and a half gallon container, and they have handles and spouts, which is really nice. But you know they're kind of heavy because they're Pyrex. So I set it on. I set um, it on the scale, and it weighs like I think the smallest one is 11 ounces and something. So then I press tear. And then I would carefully pour my lye in until I hear it say 7.2. And then, but after you put, after you press the tear, it's not adding the weight of the container to the weight of, you know, the oil or whatever you're weighing. So that's what the tear feature does. I mean, if you're good at math and you want to keep track of, okay, my container weighs eight ounces and I need 12 ounces of oil, that's 20 ounces. If you wanna do that, you can do that, but I just don't wanna think that much. Math was never my strong point, so. Okay, now well, that's all. Okay, so I'm gonna go in to just kind of quickly walk you step by step how I make the soap, um, just kind of an overview. Um, so one of the, this is a little bit of safety too, so I, and I always do this when I cook as well. I make sure I have everything out that I'm going to need. I also get anything off of my counter that I don't need. I, I have quite a bit of counter space in my house. I have quite a bit by the, to the right of the sink. So I get everything off of my counter to the right of the sink and wipe it down. And then I um, have my scale right next to the sink. I have to the right of the sink, I have my crock pot next thing over, and then you know, all the stuff that I need right there. And I don't wanna be running around looking for it. So, so that's the first thing I do. That way, you, know, you don't wanna start a recipe and don't realize you don't have everything. And you, know, you wanna know where everything is so you're not knocking things over, having accidents. So I think that that's a good place to start. So that's my set up and I, I do always wear safety glasses um, and the long sleeves and of course comfortable shoes and I, I have to confess I have worn shorts before and I guess I have been lucky I didn't get splattered but it probably is best to wear long pants um, so so when I do that so then the first thing I do is in the book, I use, she recommends your, so some of your oils are hard, like coconut oil, you know, is probably hard. Co um, cocoa butter is hard. And she recommends heating those on the stove at a low heat to um, melt them. I throw mine in the crock pot. I measure 
the hard oils first and throw them in my crock pot. And then I measure out my olive oil. I tend to use, I'm kind of down to using one recipe because I like it so well, but I have used a lot of different recipes over the years. But the one I use most has coconut oil, which is the solid. So I get that in there in my crock pot first. And, and I do preheat my crock pot so it's warm. You know, it's on the low when I put that in. And then I measure olive, almond, and avocado because those are the oils. And I, I get those in there and I let them melt, you know, so they're all melted and then I stir them together. And then I measure uh, my lye. And, and at first I measure out my distilled water or goat milk or whatever my liquid is um, for this recipe. I measure that out and I have it sitting in my big pyrex, my big, the biggest pyrex thing in my sink on the right hand side because I have my soapy vinegar I forgot that you have to have that soapy vinegar water get that ready have and I do it on the left side of my sink and after I use things I just throw them in there and um so that and then I carefully measure my lye so the lye I buy comes in like a plastic container with a safety lid it's granularly like if you shake it you can hear the granules and you want to make sure you get pure lye you do not want anything added to it, just plain lye, or again, it may say caustic soda or sodium hydroxide, but you don't want to get, a lot of drain cleaners have lye, so you don't want to get something that has a mixture uh, because it's not going to work. And then I very slowly pour that lye. And I do keep a stainless steel measuring spoon or tablespoon handy, uh, a teaspoon handy, so that if I accidentally get too much, I can carefully scoop some out and put back in, into my container of lye until I hear the right weight. Um, you can have, you know, your measurements can be a tiny bit off, but not a lot. You know, you really shouldn't be off more than a tenth of an ounce with your measurements because then you won't, you won't have the right numbers for the chemical um, reaction. You know, this bonification won't happen if you don't have the right numbers. And, and I, again, I have my, my plastic, my rubber gloves on or the, the surgical gloves on when I'm measuring the lye. And, um, and then at, once it's measured, I have my 7.2 ounces. I very carefully pour it into that water slowly and away from me. And, and I do start stirring it with my long spoon. And it heats up. The, the reaction of the water and the lye, it gets pretty hot. And... And, you know, that's, and then my, my Pyrex has the handle so I can hold it by the handle. And once it's, and you will have fumes. And again, I have my kitchen window open, which is right over the sink. And I usually have the exhaust fan on the stove. So it's pulling out um, because you really don't want to be breathing a lot of those in. And once I feel like that's all mixed up and when I'm stirring, I can kind of hear the little granules against the sides of bowl. So I know they're not dissolved yet. So I keep stirring and then when I don't hear it or feel them, then I take the lid off my crock pot and then I very slowly, carefully pour it into the crock pot. Again, you wanna pour away from you and pour slowly and stir. And then once it's stirred in with my spoon, I um, will use my stick blender, but I'm going to put that, those containers and my long handle spoon, I'm gonna put all of that over in my sink of soapy vinegar water because that we need to neutralize them because they had lye on them. Do not use plastic with lye. The 
particles are pretty small. Like I wouldn't use a, a plastic measuring cup because they could stick to the cup and you might not realize it. So I, I always use my um, glass. You could use a, a metal, but you know, if it's stainless steel or enamel, but glass is probably best, but do not use plastic with the lye. So now I'm gonna take my stick blender and um, I'm going to put it in. Again, I'm gonna hold it at the bottom, but at an angle and I'm gonna start it slowly. You don't wanna just turn it on full blast. You're gonna send it splattering everywhere. And then I'm going to start and I slowly move it around the outside and kind of like figure eights and outside and I keep going and you will, and there are some fumes coming up because we have this lye in here that's reacting with all this stuff. We have some fumes coming up. So I'm, I keep stirring and you're going to feel it getting thicker. You're, you're going to feel it getting thicker and you're going to keep, I, depending on the mixture, I would say I stick blend between five and 15 minutes. And now I just kind of know the texture. This, the first time I made soap with my friend Tammy, she was sided and this was good because she, she was able to tell me when we reached trace. And remember trace is that point where I can drop some droplets onto the surface and they stay a little bit, you know. And she was able to tell me when we got to trace and, and it felt a certain way, you know, it's not, I would say thinner than applesauce, thinner than pudding, but you have, you know, it's thickening, it's thickening and you got some resistance against your stick blender. And when it gets there, and if you stir a little bit longer past trace, that is okay. It's not going to hurt it. So I would say five to 10 minutes, maybe 15 minutes. Um, and you keep using the stick blender and then you put your lid on and now it should be cooking. And while it's cooking in there, if you can see it, it kind of makes some bubbles and waves. And at some part, it, at one point, it's kind of, you'll see some clear stuff coming to the top. That is your natural glycerin from the fats coming up. And I just, and again, I'm, I, I, um, I'm going to check it so it doesn't cook over, but First, I'm gonna take that stick blender and, and you know, you can take, I can take the part off that's been in the soap and I'm going to put it in my soapy vinegar water because again, I don't, you don't want lye on anything. So now I'm gonna hang out for, you know, I'm, I always use this time to kind of clean up, you know, wash that stuff that's in the soapy vinegar water. Then every 10 to 15 minutes, I'm opening my crock pot. I'm taking my long Teflon spoon I'm stirring, I'm especially scraping down the sides because I because it starts to if it gets too hot it starts coming up the sides and then it will I tell you crawl right out of that pot all over your counter because it's happened to me. So um, I am losing heat, so it's taking me longer. But now let's say I don't know almost an hour's gone by and I wonder if my soap is done. I know we had this question earlier, so I take my spoon, stir it around, and. And then I take, I, I'll probably put the lid back on, but now I have a little soap on my spoon. I wait till it cools down a little bit. I get a little bit on like between my thumb and my forefinger. I roll it back and forth. If you can feel any grit in there, you have not reached saponification. If there's any grit at all, you need to cook a little longer. If you feel no grit, it feels pretty smooth. This sounds kind of gross, but it works. I lightly touch my tongue to my finger. If it tastes like soap, I have soap. If there's like a little bit of a zing, and I don't know how else to explain it other than a zing, 
I know that I has, I still have a little Y in there, so I'm going to let it cook a little longer and test again. So, and it even, um, I've read online, they call it the taste test or the tongue test. I, you know, that it's not just white people doing this. They actually recommend this. And the same thing with the touch, the rolling it between your fingers. It's in the book. It's on websites. Um, a funny story about my friend Tammy, she added her fragrance before and then she thought oh no I don't even know if I meant saponification and she rolled it between her fingers it felt pretty good so she touched her tongue and she said it was like really really nasty because I don't remember what her fragrance was but it made the soap taste really really bad <laughs> so so um so now if I feel like I don't feel the grit I don't have a zing on my tongue it tastes like mom's made you wash your mouth out with soap and you're only like it's a tiny bit you know you're just barely touching your tongue to your finger um, this is where I can add my essential oils um, for fragrance. And you can use essential oils or you can use synthetics. Um, synthetic fragrances, you know, the, the essentials are coming directly from plants, flowers, um, that type of thing, roots, roots. You know, it's, it's a distillation process to get that oil. Um, so you can use those or you can use synthetic fragrances. Sometimes synthetic fragrances hold up longer. Um, I prefer to use essentials because again, I'm trying to be natural and I also like to, you know, some of the therapeutic uses of essential oils. And I don't wanna get in, cause that's all, get into that a lot because that's like a whole huge topic all on its own. And you actually, there's a fabulous person that's been doing a Monday chat about essential oils. Um, so there, you might, you know, if you want to learn more about essential oils, there's a lot of information out there. And I, like I said, I don't even want to try to get into that because we could, we could spend years here. Um, but you can use the the synthetics or the essentials. The other things you can add at the very end are things, um, like oatmeal. You can, I put a little bit of oat, oh, maybe half a cup of oatmeal a third to a half a cup of oatmeal in uh, my coffee grinder. Chop it. I don't want it too fine or it'll make your soap soggy. And then I will toss it in just a little bit of olive oil and then I mix it in at the last moment. And that's a really good exfoliant. Poppy seed is a good exfoliant. Um, a lot of times at the very end, I will stir one ounce of vitamin E oil in my soap. You can, add, I also usually add one tablespoon of, or of raw honey. And that tends to get you more, it's good for your skin and it makes more suds. If you add one tablespoon of sugar, you'll get more suds. Um, one tablespoon of salt will make your recipe a little more, um, a harder bar of soap. If you get too much salt, it can dry out your skin. But, you know, you can, if I make lavender soap at this point, I would put my lavender oil and I usually put lavender buds in. If I've done like rose petals. I put my rose fragrance and then some rose petals. Um, I do a mint soap where I, I, my liquid is actually a really strong mint tea. And I, I have chopped up, you know, dried mint from the garden and put in at this point. And if you're adding dried things like that, again, coat it, lightly coat it with olive oil or maybe like a grapeseed oil and before you put it in, it, it'll help it keep its color a little bit better. So those are, so once I have that all stirred in, then I would put it into my mold 
And again, you can buy fancy molds. Um, you can use a box. You can use old, you know, food containers, whatever. You can use all kinds of things. You can line molds with trash bags or um, freezer paper that helps the soap come out better. You can also like lightly spray with a spray olive oil or something like that. It helps it come out better. Um, I tend to do, I use what's called a log mold. It's a long mold and, and all in one. And then I slice it into slices. I have used what are called plastic cavity molds in the past, which are shaped like different things and they're fun, but I found it really hard when I was making the soap by myself to get it into the molds fast enough before it started hardening. I have done that with a couple of friends and it worked fine because, you know, one person was pouring in and then she slid the mold down to me and I smoothed it off. Um, but I, I gave all my plastic um, cavity molds away to a friend because I just found them frustrating to use and I just, I like using my log mold. So that is pretty much the process. You let it stay in the mold until it hardens and then you can get it out. Um, again, if you've used the freezer paper or the trash bag, you could easily pull it out um, with my log mold. Sometimes I have to tap it. My log mold also like comes all apart. It screws together and I can take it all apart if the soap doesn't want to come out. Another thing, if you're having a hard time getting the soap out, you could stick it in the freezer for a little bit. That helps it contracts. The, the cold makes it contract. And sometimes it'll pop out a little easier, more easily that way. Um, so with the hot process, they say, you know, you can make your soap this morning and use it this evening. That is true. However, I find if I let my bars sit, um, sit for a while and dry out, they tend to last longer. Um, if I use them immediately, they seem to be a little softer and they seem to melt a little faster in the shower. So I have a little plastic um, rack, you know, that's kind of open and I, I line my bars of soap up on it and let them sit there and um, dry for a few days uh, before I use them. So I'm going to open up. Yes, I'm going to. Yeah, this, you have about four and a half minutes, so. Oh, gosh, okay. <laughs> I wasn't sure if you wanted to. to All right, yeah, I do, um, I do want to quickly say, I was going to talk about places to get stuff. I'm going to, t I'm going to send an email to Courtney and Kayla of, of a list of resources of places to buy, but, um, so, because I wasn't going to talk about that, but if people have questions, please ask questions. I didn't realize I wasn't timing myself, so. Um, hey, Sheila, this is Min. We actually have until 3.30. Oh, well, thank you, Min. Yeah, I, good, I, good. See, I wasn't told that. I was told, could you do this? Because I wasn't scheduled. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, we're scheduled until 3.30. Okay. I'm sorry. No, I'm no sorry. that's fine. Now, like, go for that's it. <laughs> All right. I, I am at the point where I want to do questions. So but I, you do, I, yeah, you do have some questions. Yeah, and I... And I, I I am at the place where I wanted to do questions. So feel free to ask questions. All right. Miss Lucy. <laughs> Big Sorry, mouth now, Lucy. I didn't know that. <laughs> Big mouth Lucy. Um, <laughs> I'm really, I'm intrigued by this. And uh, I have two things. One, um, I have thought about the pouring your soap mixture into molds and wondering how I was going to go about that. Is it, would it be okay? I'm sure it would be okay to use like a stainless steel um, scoop 
yes, scoop it in fact, out. Yes, that's what I do. I find that's easier um, than trying to pour it. So, yeah, because I need, I'm, like I said, I'm using the seven quart crock pot. It's still hot. It's, you know, even if I take the crock out, it's still pretty heavy and awkward. Mm -hmm. So I have like a big soup ladle type thing that I'm using that's stainless steel. And, and at that point, it really doesn't have to be stainless steel, Lucy, mm. because it has saponified. You have soap. You could use plastic at that point or metal. Mm. So it, mm -hmm. it's at this point, it's you, you, act, you know, you just have soap that's not hard yet. Okay. Then the second thing is, um, I remember from the, the book, she recommended that you spray your um, soap molds and stuff after you pour your soap in with a uh, like an alcohol mist. Do you do that? I have not. I've heard of people doing that. Um, you can also, like if you pour in the mold, you, you can like take a spatula, like a scraper and scrape off the top to make it smooth. Mm -hmm. Honestly, at that point, it's cool enough. I just lightly use my fingers. I do put a little olive oil on my fingers and and um, like run it, you know, kind of go over the top. Oh, the other thing I do with um, with the mold is I tap it. So I start filling it up and I have, I don't know, like a third of my log mold. And then I kind of pick it up and sit it down on my counter a couple of times, you know, to kind of even it out and to get any air pockets out. And I do that periodically. And that's a, another good thing to do with your molds. Yeah, kind of like you do with cake batter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like I said, all of these techniques are kitchen. They're really just kitchen techniques. That's all you're doing is cooking. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm inspired now. I'm going to do it. <laughs> Thank you very much. You're right. welcome. Kathy, you may unmute. Thank you, Lucy. Kathy, if you're on. Sorry, I, okay. I, mute, I muted when he said unmute, and then I. It's okay. Hey, I have two kind of questions. Trying to understand the, the, the feel of it when you've when you've mixed it enough, and I, what did you call it? The uh, tracing. Yes, the trace. So one time, one time I made um, mashed potatoes in the. Um, uh, in the in the Cuisinart and I mixed them too much and when I lifted the fork up from the potatoes they just kind of stretched is that the kind of thing a you're little, saying yeah a little bit but it's like um when you pick up your spoon and then drops fall on the surface there's the dot you know it takes a little oh. bit for the dots to reabsorb into the okay. liquid so okay. and and, and Honestly, I think that was the biggest benefit of making it with a sided friend the first couple of times because she's like, okay, it's a trace. And then I put my spoon in there and I felt what it felt like. Right. So, but, but if you mix it past trace, if you're still using your stick blender past trace, it's not, you know, you're not going to ruin it because at that point, it's just saponifying. Right. It might take if I take a little longer to cook because, of course, well, as long as you have the lid off, it's not heating up as much. But um, you're not going to ruin it if um, if you don't if you stop mixing too early, then you will have a problem. But if you mix right. too long, you won't. And I have a, a a kind of a muffin pan that's got like eight rectangles instead of it's a I maybe it's a brownie pan where you can make eight rectangles would would something like that be good to use 
Um, yes. I mean, you'd probably want to spray it. And yeah, but you can, I mean, there's a lot, you can use like candy mold. Like I said, you can use food containers. Um, I've even seen people take a PVC pipe, like a three inch across PVC pipe and put a, a, a you know, thing <laughs> on the end that closes it. And then they put freezer paper down on the end site and then they poured it in, um, it, you know, and, and again, they tapped it every little bit. And then when they pulled it out, they had like a long tube and then they just cut it in slices. Slice so they, it, had, yeah. they had round bars. So you can really get creative. I mean, I have used, I have, so my, the batch that I make most of the time, it is a little more than my log mold will hold, but it's not enough. I have two log molds, but it's not enough to fill up another log mold. So I have this little, um, you've probably seen, it's like a little loaf pan for a mini loaf. And right. just enough to fill up that. So I just put a little olive oil in there and I pour my soap in there and then I use that little, that's what I do with the soap that won't fit in my log mold. And then how long do you let it sit until it becomes solid or does it yeah. pretty quickly? Yeah. Um, so I let it set for a few hours and then um, also like the, the individual bars, like if you're doing the plastic cavity molds, those are individual bars. So they're going to, they're going to harden a lot faster. Um, you know, mine takes a little right. longer because I have this log mold that's, oh, I don't know, it's three or four inches across and, you know, I don't know how long and deep. So, it, so what happens is I let it sit for a few hours, then I flip it out and I sit because of course the top part that's been exposed to the air is the hardest. So then I let it sit on that part and I let the rest of it dry. And then when I feel like it's really hard, I slice it. And that's when I set it on my little plastic rack and let it dry. And I let it dry for a few days because I do think if I let it sit for, I don't, you know, like, I don't know, five days to a week, maybe that the bars do last longer, but you can, I mean, you can use it immediately. I just think it melts a little faster. I mean, once it hardens, not, not immediately, immediately, but once it cools and hardens, you can use it. Sounds great. All right, Lynn, it says Lynn's iPhone. Okay, um, Lynn Shields, Chapel Hill, North Carolina. I'm really enjoying this. I've made, I've been making Milton pour soap since 2006 and often thought, well, maybe I should do this. Um, I have the Vox 2 talking scale. Um, I think it's just maybe a slightly newer model than the one you have. And I used to run a low vision store, so I had access to various um, multiple items of the same thing. And I've, I've noticed that even among the same model of scales, there is some variance. Um, I, I use the talking, um, the Vox 2 all the time with the tear function, and it seems to do a very good job. But how do you know if your scale is accurate? Um, if maybe try weighing something that you already know the weight of. Because a couple of times if I thought mine was off, you know, I weigh something that I already know the weight of it. That's a good idea. Thank you. But that's the biggest thing. I mean, I have never had a batch of soap that did not saponify. So all of my soaps have turned out. 
I do hear, sometimes I talk to people that make soap and they'll have a batch that doesn't turn out, but I've never had that happen. Good, thank you. All right, New Vision Horizons, you may unmute. Oh, I love, I love the presentation, thank you. Um, I wanted to also, I wanted to ask you, uh, I imagine that you're going to tell us uh, where to get light soon. Um, but I wanted to also ask you, did you say you use the um, stick blender uh, while while it's cooking in the, uh, in the slow cooker? And then also I wanted to ask you, um, what do you use to cut the soap? Um, like how big, like uh, what kind of a knife? Thanks a lot. Okay. okay, so yes, I, I use the stick blender when it when I first put everything in or the double boiler, I'm using the stick blender. And I'm using it for five to 15 minutes, depending on the soap. Um, it, so yeah, you are using that. And again, you want to hold it below the surface. You want to hold it a little bit of an angle so it's not suctioning to the bottom. And, and it, and you want to start it out on slow because if you start it out fast, you're going to, you know, send it flying. Um, I just cut my soap. I actually have a couple of different cutters. Like I said, I have this log mold and then I have this thing. I think it's called a miter box, but it's designed to put soap in. And so I start my log mold will slide into the end of it. And then it's basically like a little guillotine. I can set how there's a slot and then I have, I can set how thick I want my soap. And then I have a blade. I have two different blades. One, and they're not that sharp, really. Um, one of them is flat, and then one is like a zigzag. So it would kind of have like a crinkle cut, you know, um, zigzag. So I, I can, and then I just slice it down, take that bar out, and then move my log, you know, and push it down. And I just keep going till I get it all sliced. Um, the ends, the two ends are often not as attractive as the wrist. So I, I have um, sold soap in the past at, at a couple of stores and some craft fairs and that type of thing. So I never use those end pieces. Um, I always use, well, I use them myself. I don't give them as gifts or I don't um, sell them. The other thing I did when I was selling is I actually weighed all of my bars of soap to make sure they were very consistent before I packaged them for sale. And anyone that was off, I either, you know, gave as a gift or kept for my personal use. So I honestly, I don't know what kind of knife you would use because I've never used a knife to cut it. You have one more, Jeanette, you may unmute. So I have uh, two questions for you. What is okay. a stick blender and where do you get them from? It's also called an immersion blender. And ah, you can, I wondered. You can, okay, so same thing. You can get them at any like Walmart, a lot of grocery stores, any kitchen gadget store. Um, yeah, you can get them a lot of places. And I guess I have one more, Nella. Okay. Um, I have a scale that measures as you would expect it to but it is not a tear scale, but it allows me to zero out my bowl. So the only weight I get once I've done that is the actual weight of the items inside. Yeah, Did that, that work as well? 
Oh yeah, that's great. I mean, that's basically what the tear is doing is, um, you know, not adding the weight of your container to what you're weighing. Okay, thank you. That's all, Nella. All right, any other? Okay, so I do wanna talk uh, more about personalizing the soap. I'm so glad we have more time. Uh, and, and I know where to get stuff. So I'm glad Min told us. <laughs> and I, and I want to talk a little about, um, so I, as I mentioned, you know, we have to have lye, we have to have fats. And so our fats can be a lot of things. As I mentioned, they can be the animal fats, which I, I don't use animal fats. I never have. I'm vegetarian. I'm not going to. But they are cheap. So if you want economical, um, you know, that is an option. And then there's a huge variety of vegetable fats that we can use. And most of our recipes will have anywhere, most recipes will have four to six fats in one recipe. I have seen a couple of soap recipes that had like 10 different oils. And I'm like, that's just not gonna happen. That's too crazy, too expensive. So the recipe I use most, and I have experimented with different ones, and this is just my favorite one, is um, coconut oil. And coconut makes our bars hard. So a lot of recipes will have coconut to help um, keep our bars hard. And olive oil will also help keep our bars hard. And then it also has almond and avocado. Avocado oil is incredibly moisturizing. It's really good for our skin. It's one of the best moisturizing oils out there. So, and that's why I like it, because I tend to have dry skin. Olive and, um, and um, almond are kind of in the middle. On a scale from one to 10, I think moisturizing, the coconut's only two. Um, the avocado is nine. I think almond, maybe six. And I believe that all of this five. So, um, so the oils we use can make a difference in how moisturizing our soap is and how hard our bar of soap is. Um, so if you, you know, have dry skin, you want to use some more moisturizing. If you have more um, oily skin, you want to use oils that um, aren't as moisturizing. I tend to just find a recipe and follow it. There's, I have never been brave enough to try this, but there's charts that you can look at that tell you like different oils, how much lye you would have to use. And, and, and it's like, you know, again, it's a mathematical formula that is beyond my limited abilities, but you can read these charts with all these different oils and numbers and then water and you can figure out how to make your own recipe. I have not tried that. I, every time I look at the chart, I just get lost. So, but that is a possibility if you're good at math and chemistry and you want to try it, go for it. Um, I'd, I'd, if I were you, I'd practice just following some recipes first. Um, but at the end, like I was saying at that end, I add a lot of stuff. You know, I add my tablespoon of honey. I add my ounce of vitamin E. I add essential oils, um, maybe an exfoliant. I mean, and probably not all in the same one, but you know, that, so those are ways we can personalize. You can use colors. Again, I don't use colors because I can't see what I'm getting and it makes me nervous. So I just don't do that. 
Um, but it's a lot of fun. You can personalize with fragrance, shapes, if you want to use shaped molds. You know, there's all kinds of dried flowers you can get to go in. You can do things like ground pumice for an exfoliant. Um, I've seen people take like the loofah sponge and cut it into pieces and then pour, you know, put it in their mold and pour the soap over it. So you got like the loofah inside the soap. So there, there's a lot of really cool stuff you can do. Um, so that's, that's just fun personalizing it. Then I wanted to talk about where to get stuff. Somebody asked about why. Um, the hardware store. I, maybe some grocery stores, but I've always found it at, at um, hardware stores. You can also get it at some online places that sell soap making um, supplies and equipment. And, and again, you've got to make sure that it is plain Y and nothing added to it. The same thing with your oils. Make sure your oils is that it's pure olive oil, it's pure almond oil or what, you know, whatever. You want to make sure it's the pure oil. And most of our base oils, the, the oils that we put in the, in the beginning with the lye, we call those our base oils. Most of our base oils we can get at the grocery store. Um, again, you can buy them at soap supply places. When you're getting the base oil, you want to use food grade, or you can also use cosmetic grade. Some of the soap supply, cosmetic supply places sell cosmetic grade oils, and you could use those as well. And you can get them at grocery stores, health food stores, you know, any place like that for your oils. Your essential oils are fragrances. Uh, again, you can use synthetic fragrances if you wish. And I, I have played with a few of those and there's some fun ones, but I usually do um, essentials. There's a lot of companies to get the essentials from. Um, you can sometimes buy them at local health food stores, that type of thing. Uh, lots of places online, there, you know, there's oil distributors like um, out there that you can buy from. And trying to think what other, like I said, a lot of this equipment is going to be in your kitchen. You can buy it at a kitchen supply store. And again, there are several companies online that have a lot of soap making equipment that you can also buy, like the molds. Oh, and somebody asked where to get the cutter. Um, I've actually seen, uh, I ordered one of mine online and then my one that does like the crinkle cut soap, I actually found it at Hobby Lobby. And I have seen um, the, I think I've seen mold. They have some molds there and they also have the blocks of soap for melt and pour. And they also have some fragrances. I believe they are synthetic fragrances, but they, you know, you can find stuff at local craft stores as well for the soap making for supplies. There's a lot of good information on YouTube, people making the soap, a lot of good websites. There's some soap making discussion forums that you can find. Um, it's really just kind of endless if you start looking online for resources. Some companies that I've used that I feel are reputable are um, Brambleberry. I like Mountain Rose Herbs. I think they're very reputable, have really high quality herbs and botanic um, like botanicals and essential oils. Um, let's see, I ordered a lot of 
stuff from bulk apothecary as far as like my molds. I often will, if I'm making a, when I was making soap and selling it, I used to buy my base oils from them and it was cosmetic gray, but I was, you know, I was getting like a gallon of avocado, a gallon of almond. Um, so if you want to buy, you know, things of larger quantities for less bulk apothecary is good. I haven't been on their website in a while, but their website is not very friendly. So that is my complaint about bulk apothecary. Um, I think there's a plant called plant or a place called plant therapy that sells stuff. Um, oh gosh, there's, a, there's so many. Another one I buy from that I have goats and I do the goat milk soap is there's a, a company called Caprine Supply that sells everything for goats and they have a whole section of soap making um, stuff. So I, I have bought stuff from there as well. Um, those are the majority of the places I think that I've gotten stuff from. Um, I don't know, are there any other questions? Man has her hand raised. No, <clears throat> thanks. Um, I have a question, but I just want to say uh -huh. those companies that you named are really awesome. I use them too. Um, oh my goodness, what was my question? Oh, the shaped molds. Um, you said that you don't like using them because it was too difficult for you to pour them in. Is that um, more like a blindness thing or just like a time thing? Like if I did it with a friend and, you know, uh -huh. one of us poured and the other one. I, that really helps. I mean, I think part of it is a blindness thing because they're a little harder to feel, you know, because they're not a, they're not a rectangle or square. Mm -hmm. You know, like I had, I used to make hearts. So they're, they are a little harder to feel. And then it starts drying so fast because, you know, it's an end, it's a small individual bar. And so I found that, you know, my soap, my big container of soap was starting to harden and when I have done it with a friend, it's worked really well to do assembly line. Like, you know, my friend filled mm -hmm. it, slid it down the counter to me. I did the tap on the counter. I uh, took the spatula, evened it off. And so, yeah, it, it, I mean, I think it's some of both the blindness thing and a time management thing. Okay. Could you like do it in batches? I guess like leave the soap um like in the crock pot so it stays hot and then and that had crossed my mind that if I had left it in you know with the temperature on maybe even just on warm rather than the the um, low mm -hmm. that might have made the difference that's a really good point okay but you don't you don't want to leave it in too long right or can no. you leave it on low no I wouldn't leave it in there too long I mean, but that might, it might give you enough time to get it into those molds more efficiently. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Good idea, actually. That's a good idea. I, I am so sorry. Um, my screen reader is not reading this name well, so it sounds like <laughs> Jaris Musson, so please unmute. <laughs> I apologize, but. That's okay. I understand. Um, what kind what, of book did you use? Tell, tell us what your name is. Yeah, so what is your name? We all want to okay. know now. My name is Jay Rasmussen. Okay, thank you. Okay. Let's not have the screen reader read it. So. Most of the time it works pretty well with that one. 
Huh? Most of the time it works pretty well with the screen. It says, it says Jairus Mussum. <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> Most of the time you just got to say it real fast. And it's okay. Easy to... uh, gotcha. All right. Now I know. All right. What is your question? But uh, you were saying different places, but uh, you also in the beginning, you were saying about uh, some books. What kind of books? So there's a book on Bard called Handcrafted Soap by Dolores Boone. I do want to tell everybody, the reader of that book did a horrible job and several times she gives you the wrong amount. I found this out when I made soap with my friend Tammy because she had the same um, book in print and we started campaign. I had written down a recipe and she's like, that's not what mine says. So I went back and listened and it's, the woman has read several mistakes at one point. And it's like, I know enough now about soap making that like at one point she says 72 ounces, I believe of coconut oil, which I know that that is not going to happen for that amount of soap. And I know that she met 12. So honestly, I really think the woman who read the book has a vision problem, but there are several mistakes in there. So be careful if you are following those recipes. Um, you can get that book on Amazon in print. It is kind of expensive. I, I don't remember how much it was, but it was kind of expensive. But I did get it so that a couple of times I've had people, you know, just verify that what I'm hearing is the same as what's actually printed. And, and there, are several, there are several mistakes in that book. So do be careful if you use that book. Um, there may be some books on Bookshare. I have not looked. Um, I, that's, that's the only book I have found on Bard. Um, I know there's some eBooks available and then there, there's a lot of good information on different websites and, and I, even like, um, the, the place I mentioned Caprine Supply where I, I buy the goat stuff. They have some books and videos on soap making. And, and I know a lot of places places do a lot of the companies that sell supply also have recipes and books and videos and that type of thing okay now you have several I, people that have questions jay go ahead i'm sorry um in general how much does one recipe make so i want to say most of the recipes i make are like i think they end up being like 54 ounces or something I usually, with my mold and, and the way I cut them, I usually get between 14 and 16 bars of soap. Thank you very much. I really You're enjoyed welcome. this. Thank you, Jay. Um, Kathy, Shelton, go ahead, unmute. Kathy, you may unmute. Kathy, I know you did. Hello. There you go. <laughs> Sorry about that. I was in some other screen. I don't know why. It's okay. <laughs> um, my question is, would it be worth it? And can you buy um, goat's milk in the supermarket? Um, you can. In the res the goat milk soap recipes that I see, they're adding powdered milk to part of the water. And in the oh. book, in the handcrafted soap book, she's actually adding that in at the end of, at the end of her recipe. Since I have real goats out there making real milk, I milk them and I freeze. 
I get it slushy. I, I measure out, I think the recipe I use is 16 ounces of distilled water, or when I use the goat milk, I use 16 ounces. And I put it in the freezer till it gets really slushy. And so one of the things that happens is, as I mentioned, when you add the lye to the water, it heats up. And when the goat milk heats up, it tends to just color because it starts, it, it's cooking the sugars. The sugars in the milk are caramelizing. So to try to keep my bar of soap from getting really dark, which I guess isn't a huge deal, but so what I do is I take a bigger bowl that I fill with ice cubes, and then I set my container of this cold slushy goat milk inside of that bowl, and then I carefully pour my lye in and stir it because the cooler you can keep it, the less caramelization you get, and you won't get the dark brown and orange look of the of the but yes you can buy goat milk both powdered and in liquid and and i have honestly never used it because like i said i have these girls and they need to earn their keep so uh, <laughs> and how much how much grass do you need to have to get a goat <laughs> well all right, we're gonna we're gonna move on to the next question. Okay, let's We've go to got a couple more. Zoom user, I have no idea who that is. Please unmute. Hello, if you're calling in as Zoom user, please unmute. I think you have. All right, we're gonna. This is Sarah. I don't know if my name's coming through. Sarah Calhoun, you are next on the list, but you know what? Oh. Go for it. <laughs> oh, sorry. No, go go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I, I've been really enjoying this this uh, this session. Um, once you have your soap made and it's hard and you cut it, what is there a better type of material to wrap them in than others, or does it matter? something I really struggled with when I sold soap. I've seen people like wrap it in plastic. I've seen, I, I've seen people just put like a kind of a light cardboard band around it that just says, you know, what it is, what's in it, who it's made by, that kind of thing. Um, I started making little paper. It's kind of like a little origami thing. But it's like a little bag and I, that I just slid them down in. And I left the top open so people could see it, smell it, and then I just stuck a label on it. So that's what I started doing. Um, but I, I have seen it packaged all different ways. I've seen people do it like in little net bags, lightweight net bags. Um, like I said, totally wrapped up, just all kinds of things. Oh, okay, thank you, thank you. All right, Nella, it is about time to end. So you have one more question. Do you? I would like to take it, but I also want to briefly just, I didn't say this earlier. If you have nut allergies, um, any of, there, there could be issues with any of the nut oils. So if you have nut allergies or are making soap for nut allergies, just be aware that that can be an issue. All right. Um, I don't, do you want to take more questions? Because sure, sure. yeah, I, I, okay. Um, New Vision Horizons, you may ask your. <laughs> yeah, 
We're, we're it, about out of town, so time. Yeah, so. yeah. I, I just wanted to ask, um, is, would there be any limitation on the goat milk? Like, what, ah, what if it's, what if it's, uh, um, if it was like going bad or, or whatever, uh, could you use it or, um, I, I does it wouldn't. have to be fresh? No, I, I only use fresh. I wouldn't use any that I thought was bad. Because you want your, you don't want any weird smells or anything, so. All right, the next question is coming from that Zoom user that I don't have a clue who it is, so. Are you unmuted, Zoom user? Hello? We cannot hear you, I'm sorry. Well, Sheila, um, since it is time, we can't hear this person. If you have questions for Nella, you can always email us at acbcrafters at gmail.com and we'd be happy to pass on your question to Nella. Um, I just wanna say thank you so much, Nell, for doing this session for us. I've learned a ton and it's been super interesting. Um, and like I said, you can email us questions if you have them and you know, if you try making this. Um, so yeah, acbcrafters at gmail.com. Thanks so much, Sheila. Thank, thank you, thank you Sheila. Thank you, Nella. You guys have a wonderful Labor Day. You, you, you too. Thanks, everybody.